The following is a conversation with Michael Cade, Global Field CTO, Cloud Native at Veeam Software, a seasoned technology executive with over 20 years of experience in the data protection space. Michael is currently the Global Field CTO for Cloud Native and open source at Veeam Software and is here today to talk about his career development, learning in public, and all things Cloud Native and OSS. This is the Sound of Tech to Come, a Veeam podcast. Hey, Michael, how are you doing? Hey, buddy. Yeah, happy well, to be here. Yeah, that was a pretty official sort of um, intro, yeah, wasn't it? It sounds but, grown up, eh? It yeah, sounds very adult. Very adult-like, yeah. And, we're, and honestly, this is the second episode of The Sound of Tech to Come. And um, having you on the show is something I've obviously wanted. You and I are great mates. But I think you you know, have such a great standing in the world of Veeam, in the community, you know, the virtualization space and Kubernetes open source and whatnot. I wanted to really get you on early on this to kind of bridge the gap like I did with episode one with Rick where we talked about the fact that this was the Veeam Community Podcast. It's now the sound of tech to come. And it probably is on you to basically explain, you know, what's coming in this new world, right? But before we get to that new world, for those that don't know who you are, maybe give a bit of background before your years at Veeam because you've been at Veeam for eight years now. But where did you come from? How did you end up working for Veeam Software? Yeah, so I took a... I took a different path, I think, to like most people, especially on our team, right? Um, so I didn't go to university and I didn't do like computer science. I did I did IT as an A level in the UK, which is like college college grade stuff. And then I left there and I went and started building computers in uh, uh, in a local Cambridge computer place called World of Computers of, of all places. <laughs> And then moved up in there, um, moved into like a quality assurance around what what who was building it, making sure it actually went out the door and was going to work. And then went into tech support. I think that's where I probably joined the majority of people around offering tech support for a lot of Cambridge universities that were buying computers and servers from us. And then moved into this uh, like the sysadmin role at a a massive um, Fortune two Fortune two thousand type company and I was looking after a, a small arm of of News International it was um and there was a software development house yeah I stayed away from that that whole development world and just had to keep the lights on for these these physical servers that we had in a in a rack that was in a room that made a lot of noise and that was my that was my my job for a couple of years in there and then i then i got introduced to the world of reseller distribution the channel yeah which obviously plays a huge part in the the veeam story as well being channel only i started off at a very small reseller again on on the help desk offering technical support and i was probably in that for and i was a, it was a really small reseller very local to me and um I started to get very bored of answering this broad amount of of questions. So I wanted to pinpoint where I wanted to go. So I went and spoke to the the sales guys and they were selling storage, NetApp storage, and a lot of this stuff called VMware uh, and a bit of Hyper-V as well. But yeah, we won't go into that, <laughs> but VMware. So my, so my take there was, right, I'm going to go and learn this stuff. I'm going to go and be third line help desk support that knows lives and breathes this stuff and actually managed to get certified on both NetApp and VMware quite high high up got my VCAP got my VCP got my NCIE with NetApp 
which is actually better than some of the pre-sales consultants in the reseller. And then I went knocking on the door and went, can I do, can I do some of that pre-sales stuff? And eventually we made that work. And eventually at that point, then a bigger reseller came knocking on my door. So uh, that turned my head. I went there doing exactly the same thing. That was Logicalis, a bit more global. And then I moved into distribution. So reseller distribution, and I became the lead storage and virtualization consultant across the across EMEA. So that that's where I got my like um, flying wings, if you will, like started to travel um, across across Europe. But that was more of a professional services pre-sales type engagement and distribution get the the raw end of the deal when it comes to what they're putting in in for places. So I was doing a lot of work with UEFA, with FIFA, with uh, energy companies, with like the big enterprise companies that didn't necessarily deal with resellers. They dealt directly with the vendor and the vendor didn't have the professional services or the implementation services. So they'd lean on the distributor to do that. So that was my job for a couple of years. And then a good friend of mine, Chris Dearden, who was at, at Veeam at the time, he knocked on my door and said, how would you fancy being pre a pre-sales assistant engineer for, for Veeam? This was yeah, far, like eight years ago now. Um, and uh, so I started the journey with Veeam as a systems engineer in the UK and Ireland, where I was obviously just focused on selling or technically vetting what our sales guy was saying making sure they were telling the truth um and uh and articulating the power of of veeam and then probably did that for around just shy of two years like 18 months and then moved into rick's team where that's where me and anthony joined at the same time and bringing in that like knowledge around storage around virtualization and what we've done in the channel the commercial side creating content so very much what we'd call now the it ops background systems administrator background systems engineer type thing but very much infrastructure and then yeah the path to understanding more of the breadth of the veeam platform uh and then more recently over the last two three years having more of a focus around cloud native and maybe we'll get into that. We'll get into, we'll get into that. We'll get into the Kubernetes side and go through that. Yeah, I, yeah. I think one of the things that was really awesome about that was that to a certain extent, it paralleled a little bit of what my background was in terms of trying to go to uni, but basically not being super engaged. You know, the stories I won't tell them on this, on this particular podcast, <laughs> but um, you know, the fact was that I, I didn't have a degree like you and I went out and started in tech support like you. And I think, from a similar point of view, it's all about just realizing that the world was slightly ever more bigger in that next step, right? And trying to work out how we get to that to that next step. And I think I probably um, waited. I, I, I'm I'm a little bit older than you, and I I've, I always felt that I probably left it a bit later than most people should have, or maybe other people don't see it that way. But if, ultimately, the path was similar. VMware virtualization, I. I had those same, um, the VCAPs and the VCIXs, and I, I focused a little bit more on the cloud world. But ultimately, in a nutshell, we got to the same place almost to the day, right? We started literally on the same day in that evangelist team back when it was um, under marketing in Veeam Software. And actually, my first yeah. memory of you was quite interesting because I was a vanguard. Oh, okay. we, we talk about community. No, it's a very safe, it's a very safe story. Don't oh, worry cool, about cool, that. Cool. Don't worry about that. But yeah, but um, I was in the Vanguard program, which is our, you know, if, if you listen to the first episode, it's our premier evangelist and advocacy program. We were in London and I saw this big lad like standing in the back of the room, this like real 
just standing there, right? And I'm like, geez, he's a, he's a huge human. Um, and, and, and that was my first introduction to you, right, in terms of this is Michael Cade and whatnot. And then I think it was only a few months later that we started talking and say, hey, I, I think I'm joining this team. And you're like, yeah, I think I'm joining this team as well. And from there, it's kind of been a bit of a sort of crazy ride. What is, what, what's that ride been like almost six and a half, seven years in the team, right? So yeah, um, yeah. I think what's really interesting though is, and I think that I want to touch on a thing that we can build in this episode, talking about the technology is that evolution as, as you progress in your career, some people are pretty content just to stay what they're doing, um, you know, and almost to a certain extent, let the rest of the world catch up and get ahead of them. And, and some, for some people, that's fine. Um, other people like yourself, I've seen it in you like maniacally, um, you just always want to kind of drive to what's next. Where am I going to go next? What, where am I? going to get my next bit of knowledge from that's going to help me move ahead and what, wherever I want to be. And that's kind of this whole learning in public thing, which you've, you've, um, you've kind of worked on hard over the past three years. But taking a step back from that, what's your take on the platform? You know, you said we, were, we basically came from an IT ops background, platform engineering. Now you'd probably call it. How do you see that evolution and how have you looked at it from the point of view of going from someone who was storage, virtualization, traditional sort of server hugger, if you're going to call it that, to someone who's now very much in this whole new world of cloud native open source and DevOps? We used to joke about DevOps, right? But it's it's the thing now. We did. We did. Um, so my first take, if we just drill, drill straight into Kubernetes and look at that as another platform, I, I feel like it's it's... We're seeing that same thing that we saw way back from a virtualization point of view. So when I first got into virtualization or VMware in particular, was very much around that ESX 2.5 days, 3.5 days, like that, that where I was being billed out for $1,200 a, a day to go and implement um, these servers with some shared storage, some networking at the top of the top of the rack and building out this virtual center that was on Windows at the time. And you'd have that, that you'd build that system out over a week, maybe. And now if we fast forward, that that's obviously been massively simplified. But the whole point is that, that that's a platform. We were building that platform for virtual machines and applications that were then, and maybe part of that whole consultancy, we'd also throw in that physical to virtual type conversion, which we don't necessarily have too much in that container world. But I still see that Kubernetes is probably at that ESX 2.5, 3.5 type type timeframe. It's still very complex. vSphere ESX was very complex in my opinion, but it's just another platform. And yeah. you can slot in cloud in, in between there as well. And what I mean by cloud, because it has different connotations, is AWS, the Azure's. They're just different platforms where we can choose to abstract as much as we want away, like I don't. You know, I can go to I can go to Azure and I can create a virtual machine. I can go to Azure and I can create a database, and I don't have to look after the the bits underneath that that can be looked after for me. Yeah, you're going to pay a little bit of cash for it, but it takes away that responsibility around that. And I think we're seeing that evolution that a platform could be any of those, and it's still we still see physical in there. So I, I yeah. think I think that's the way I looked at it, and I think actually. Um, you were you were well in front of me when it start when you started looking at, at Kubernetes because I think it was actually 
more cloudy than than I once thought. I I remember saying this is this is not this is not the day for Kubernetes just yet, right? With yeah. another colleague of ours <laughs> on the team. So it's um yeah, I think from that point of view, I think you've mentioned just another platform. Um and if you've you've kind of highlighted Kubernetes, but I think the way that I sort of like to frame it coming from that cloud. And it's funny because I, I went through the same thing with cloud where, you know, even I've kind of been on record saying, Hey, this whole cloud thing, I don't like the word cloud. I hate the cloud. I'm a hosting guy, you know? So just, it, it's just the, 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 the time that you're in, you know, you can have different aspects of thoughts about what platform is relevant to you based on what you're doing. But Kubernetes in itself is part of this whole modern data platform scenario, right? Data, and the workloads and the applications drive, you know, where it eventually lives. And that's also dictated by now more than ever the developers, right? We, we Again, we used to joke about DevOps. Like I've got a bit of a beard at the moment. You've got a bit of a beard, but we haven't got those. We used to joke on stage <laughs> about those DevOps beards, right? Um, but And I've only got this just because I've, I've, I'm, I'm doing some sort of superstitious thing this week. So that's why I've got this on. Um, but that said, DevOps is often associated with with coding more than platform right it's a culture effectively you've you've kind of taken that devops piece as the the forefront or the centerpiece of your learning in public right you've done this 90 days of devops um which is which was tremendous like just explain that because i think it's worth explaining for those that don't know about it explain how it came to be what were your thoughts in doing it and you know how it just exploded out of almost yeah, yeah. nothing, really. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous, really. What what it is because it starts out as me just creating notes, blogs, basically for ninety days, and about different subjects that we consider to fall into that DevOps category. But just rewind on that is yeah. So I thought of this. In fact, I, I, I've said I've been on record and I've said oh, I thought about this on New Year's Eve and I sh- thought I should do it. Actually, if we look back, I did a blog post on Kasten's blog, So You Want to Learn DevOps. Still one of the best hit blogs on Kasten's site. And it went through 12, 13 different topics around what what you'd consider the foundational level of learning DevOps. Now, fast forward to New Year's Eve. Uh, it would be New Year's Eve, end of 2021, yeah. going into the 1st of first of January 2022. And I thought, well, I've done fitness challenges that are 90 days long, and that's from the 1st of January through to the 31st of March. What if I was to do something a bit crazy and every day I'm going to write some sort of blog notes based on much smarter people than me? I'm going to consolidate that down. I'm going to walk through these 12 areas of DevOps. And so my, my idea here is that like me and me and Anthony have done quite a lot of work around Terraform about building virtual machines, virtual estates, cloud-based workloads, all encompassing like Veeam technologies. And we did a VMware session, VMworld session when it when it was when it was called VMworld. One of my um, favorites, that one. That was that was uh, that was a crazy was one, true. right? That was amazing to do. And it was so fun to to execute it. And it became like a passion project for us, right? And I remember the sort of sense of like almost winning like the world cup or sporting event when we actually got off that stage and it actually all worked. Um, and it was a great feeling and it definitely got us, 
you know, moving ahead in terms of that that whole world. And for you, I think it lit lit a fire, right? It lit a, it lit an actual fire in terms of what you saw and the opportunity that this art of the possible, which you love to we we love to talk about the art of the possible, but that's exactly, exactly what that was. And I think that transformed into a bit of a drive for you during the pandemic to work out how do I, you know, you talked about stages in your career, how you move forward, right? How you could got tapped on the shoulder to do this and that, but then you worked hard and then you got asked to do this, right? I think in a certain extent, you worked pretty hard during the pandemic to upskill yourself. Um, others in the yeah. pandemic probably didn't do that. And I know I was one of those guys that the pandemic was interesting for me. I went a bit flat during it, but, you know, and so it was commendable for you to kind of, use that for, for good almost you know what i mean and i remember when you came and you said to me it, must, it would have been new year's eve honestly you said i'm gonna do this well yeah we and, I'm, like, and, much, and so. I'm like yeah good luck mate like all right it's, it's a bit i don't reckon you can keep it up you know i think is what i what i told you That's, uh, and the amount of people as well and 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 to put that into into some significance as well like so you being based in, based in Perth, Australia had def very different lockdown rules. UK was a little bit more, I guess, frivolous with our rules. We probably didn't have that many. Um, and that gave us the opportunity. Nothing really changed apart from we were grounded, we were at home. And I think that 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 was just the it was just the nature of the beast about where we were. So yeah, basically that that session, yeah, absolutely. That was the the true art of the possible for me. That was exactly what we were brought into this team to do and continue to do. So going into the start of 2022 with the 90 Days of DevOps, I had some understanding around automation, infrastructure as code. I'd done some work with uh, Jeremy Goodrum around the Chef Cookbook as well. So around application configuration and the likes of Ansible in there as well. We'd obviously done a lot around Linux, um, networking. So I had a lot of the topics. I had a good enough foundation. But to really put that together, I think the, the key part that I say very early on in that is that to really truly adopt DevOps, you're not going to be a master of any particular one area. You've got to be a, a, a jack of all trades. Yeah, um, which, And you've got which, to know a little bit about yeah. everything. Which in our industry, that jack of all trades, depending on the the cycle, is either a good or bad thing. Like I, I remember people saying, "Oh, um, when I first started, jack of all trades. Yep, you got to be good at Windows, Linux, hosting, all sorts of stuff." Networking, right? yeah, networking. Yeah. And but then I remember around the time of, I remember specifically around Exchange, twenty ten, around that that time, people were like, "Oh." Now you got to specialize. Like go go do go be an exchange expert. I use as an example because I used to be pretty big on exchange. You did right? it, yeah. and then I loved it. But I thought to myself, "Holy crap! If I actually go and become an exchange expert, if I had done that, I think I would be in a completely different space in, in, in right now in my in my life in my in general." Right. So I'm glad that I stayed a generalist and a jack of all trades. To basically keep myself um, on tune with, in tune, sorry, with what was going on, and not just going, I'm just going to focus on this or that. And I think that's where this DevOps culture comes into play as well. Is that you can't, you, I mean, you can obviously be an expert in some. And I think jumping ahead, what you've done for this year's version is almost targeted specific experts to basically take, you know, uh -huh. bits of it and write it up, which is great, right? But I still believe that you still need to know all of that and that's why it's being built together but yeah carry on in terms of the flow it's, it's a great story so 
if we take it up, if, we, if you take it on from you were writing it, and it wasn't like when did it gain traction? Like when did it actually start to oh. snowball? Because I, I don't yeah, think it was it straight was away. April. Yeah. So how did that work? Yeah, I would say. So if you go to if you actually go to the repository and scroll right down to the bottom, you'll see how the stars. And if you think about GitHub stars as like maybe like likes, I think that's probably the best way to to see it. But then you start seeing people forking it, which is taking a copy the of it. Forking is important. And then and then writing their own right. Um, and it, yeah, it was definitely after the amount of messages, including yourself, um, was like, oh yeah, I'll look at this when you're finished. And I know Rick, the boss at the time. He said, oh, I'm not going to look at this until you finished it. And that's yeah. fair enough, right? Because I ended up, so in total, it was 110,000 words. So think about 90 blog posts, so six to, to 1,000 words, 1,200 words a day. And it was about, it wasn't just write, writing. It was also about, so generally, each topic was big picture. What does infrastructure as code mean? Um, some examples, so like infrastructure as code, we have Terraform, probably the the leader in in the world at the moment, open source offering, enterprise offering, but then you've got the likes of Pulumi as well that that provide that. You've got CloudFormation specifically around AWS. So go into a little bit more detail about some of the options that you have, and then spend the next four or five days of of again individual blogs of getting hands on. How do we build something? How do we use Terraform to create something that we can do and a big thing that i wanted to do was make sure that it was accessible for everyone so not everyone's got access to a lab not everyone's got access to um like servers and storage and even a cloud account now we can get free cloud accounts and we do that in the microsoft section the cloud section but i wanted to use open source offerings virtualbox like how do we use that using terraform it's open source so it was a lot about how do we get the community to follow along so it was a bit of hands-on it was a bit of big picture it was a lot of theory so obviously we got that finished we went through these 12 topics but first and foremost we kicked things off with okay what is what is devops like what does it mean because you see people with the title devops engineer and well what does that mean because you can go to co company a and they're they've got a team of devops engineers and you go to company b and they've got a team of devops engineers but their skill sets don't really need yep. to match or yep. have to match. And that's where I think we went wrong a little bit in the uh, in the naming and that whole buzz around DevOps around two, like 2010, tw 2009, when it first started to like start bubbling up. I feel like DevOps is a bit like ITIL around change management as a Ooh, process, as a principle that we follow. That's controversial. ITIL is such a such a emotional sort Aim. of... Uh, pain and word right in, in the it you didn't industry. have itil engineers but what you did no. have what yeah what we do have is cloud engineers and i actually think come 2023 we've we might have fixed it a bit with platform engineering with it ops we don't uh, cloud engineering like we have a maybe a bet, better naming standard for it or at least we're getting better is that because, because is that because the tooling has become more defined and a little bit more understood as well because i think to a certain extent when i, when I say tooling i mean everything that you know you you might oh use. yeah yeah you mentioned a lot the of the topics them, right? the subjects yeah, yeah you know what i mean like I, I think the understanding of it and probably the fact that it's not so much in it with and you I, I think you and i both did it and i certainly do it still to a certain extent with with other things right it's fun to sort of you know bag and 
you know, sort of talk slight against these, um, you know, uh, buzzwords in IT. So I think we probably did that. It was like, oh, DevOps, you know, <laughs> so, so yeah. DevOps. The amount of times that we said, <laughs> so DevOps, right? between you and I over the years. Um, <laughs> we absolutely did. Uh, I, and like, uh, to that point, I got asked that question a few weeks back and I think that's our imposter syndrome, like diving in on that. Like we don't, we love change. That's why we're in the industry that we're in and we embrace change. But I think it's a lot about imposter syndrome. Like, well, I don't really know enough about DevOps to jump into it. Whereas a friend of mine, Jeremy, who I already mentioned around Chef, he went all in. Like some of the stuff he showed us, incredible spits was like, yeah, ridiculous. Like, like, and you were you were like, oh, that will never take off. And then he's telling us that he's working with X Y Z Bank, big bank, um, on this whole DevOps infrastructure. Yeah, it, was, yeah. It, it it obviously was working. It's become it's become very relevant in almost every conversation that we have. And uh, you know, I think um, I do want to talk a little bit about. A little bit of the progression and you know where we are today and, and the brand and and whatnot because i think that's an important part of it right but just to round off that topic um i'm you know plugged into a few you know veeam deals at the moment the sound of tech to come future deals um and a lot of it is based on you know we we want some orchestration infrastructure where we're not where we we aren't going to do click click ops I, I heard that today and i hated <laughs> that they said click click ops but i understand that's becoming a thing right so yeah I, I think right now this is almost becoming you know the first and foremost um question on someone's mind is do you support infrastructure as code can you work in a devops way to access your platform and for us to work with your platform against it you know that sort of thing so yeah i feel like the time is definitely now and we've kind of worked it out and it's not so much a dirty word anymore, which is good. Um, let's talk about let's talk about how 90 Days became a brand because I think that's actually a very important thing because if you look at, even for me, like I, the thing that I started, you know, during the pandemic was a podcast. You know, this is the, this is the lead yeah. on to that, right? I started the great things with great tech podcast. That to a certain extent became, became a brand as well. So how, how did... When did you realize that 90 days was going to become a brand? And that in itself is a bit of a, you know, knife edge sort of topic because that in itself helps us do our jobs, right? If we can be successful in certain areas, then we actually are fulfilling part of our responsibilities as, you know, global technologists. And now, you know, both of you, both you and I have regional field CTOs in the company as well. So it wasn't until after, or maybe even the, the, third half of the project because uh, remember like initially it was all about um i'm just going to create these notes and if they help one person that's always been my rule if it helps one person it's worth doing or worth sharing and learning in public for and then you start to see these stars growing and you start seeing people talking about it in fact i saw there's a guy on he was on tiktok and i'm not on tiktok although there are a couple of tiktok videos that i've done that pretty pretty good if i do say so myself um but um the uh there was a guy on there his, his name's L lewis um and he uh, just just stumbled across it and he's going through my repository and obviously with all good projects you start off with creating a, a logo um then you create a or you buy the domain and then you actually do the work right how i don't know how many domains i've brought in my time and some work some don't right here that's i guess that's another part of our role 
um, is is that we have to we take chances. Like there's a lot of chances on different ideas, and some win, some don't. Like there's yep. a lot that we've done, and there, there's a lot of uh, stagnant GitHub repos on our on our half baked right? half baked projects. That's, <laughs> uh, that's for sure. There's something doesn't really grow from that. But um, so yeah, I think another like there's a few few um like checkpoints as to when it became like, oh this is something we should continue next year as well is that you start submitting some talks about it and they get accepted like you, people want to learn or what i felt actually was there's no structured way of learning devops like you can go on to devops boot camps you pay quite a bit of money for them so i wanted to make sure it was free and open like yeah. open source learning by all accounts like I don't need uh, like Veeam look after me, so I don't need to. I don't need to have that project pay me back. But I appreciate some content creators do, and um, so yeah, it was really a, a, a few things around like sessions being accepted, uh, but I think mostly it was about the credibility that I then had in certain spaces, open source, cloud native, DevOps type events that kind of gave me the credibility to go and have those other conversations around like integrating and back up into your CD pipeline session that I went to Singapore to go and talk about. Right. Um, and it was, it gave me that credibility that it kind this guy kind of knows what he's talking about, which, and I wanted to show that vulnerability throughout the project as well, is that even though you're in a position of a senior technologist within a software company, you don't know everything. Um, and we won't. Uh, we'll. No. I, I say this in one of the sessions around. We'll never be stopped learning. Like whatever the next thing is after the Kubernetes, whether it's Wasm, whether it's serverless. Like we're, we we will be pushed into that world. And whether you want to like stick or twist in terms of whether you go and learn that or whether you stick to what you know and what you're going to do, and that's absolutely fine. But there will be something next. Like whether it's Kubernetes that is more commercial not maybe commercialized but more simplified definitely more simplified and then we just see the kubernetes api orchestrating everything orchestrating virtual machines which we're seeing in kubevert orchestrating containers which it was first born to do but think about everything like yeah. okay what does that look like and 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 then you've got wasm you've got so WebAssembly for for those not familiar serverless functions um all of that good stuff so i think I think that kind of that's the exciting part of of all of this of learning of learning right and continuing to learn. It's like continue continuous CICD, but CL continuous learning. Yeah, continuous um, L, yeah. Is that actually a thing? I might have just patented that CL. Um, no, I think I've seen it elsewhere. But Damn it. take it. Thought, thought take I had it. it. Yeah. Thought I had one. See, that was another. Take it. That was a domain that I could have bought as well. Um, all right, um, but yeah, I think and then. If we wrap that up, so ninety days became a project through you know your your desire to to learn more. You know you got thrown into the world of Kubernetes. This was part of of that project world. But I think to a certain extent, if if we take it back to Veeam, this being still a Veeam podcast, it's very important for the company because we are um, so intertwined with the community. Okay, and the community for me has always been about not being afraid to share what you're learning if you come across a bug blog about that you know more more recently maybe do a youtube video on on how to configure something or whatever it might be how do you how, how what advice would you give for someone who's looking to take that next step 
And that might be Michael back in the, the small reseller day. But they, they want to break out. They want they want to start to to move and kind of have the trajectory of their career start to ramp up a little bit to get them into a place where they can maybe be like what you and myself do and others in this company and then in our immediate community, which is be an advocate and be an influencer with some concept of brand. So I would initially take that first mindset of document what you're doing. Like there'll be a lot of lot of people out there either on the daily looking after systems, but you're equally finding problems because that's what we're all that's that is generally what you're doing as a sysadmin. Document that. Now if that only helps one person, that's worth documenting. If it helps you again, like how many times, Anthony, have you gone back and Googled something and then found your found yourself? Like that has already posted something about it. And you yeah, go, I got, oh, yeah, I got I to say, that. less and less, less and less. But yeah, obviously, true. you know, that used to be a thing. And you kind of, you chuffed a little bit like that as well. And I know people, it's, it it's still happens to. I know um, a few guys in the Veeam community and the Vanguards and the Veeam 100, they always will tell, oh, I, 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 want, I went to try and find some sort of specific solution to a problem. And I blogged about it like a year ago. And when I put it in Google, it came back with my own result. You know, like <laughs> that's pretty satisfying. Or on the flip side, what they actually do say is that our great um, help um, and support organization, this is actually the funny ones, right? We hear this about often. So, our, and it's not to degrade the support org, I'll, I'll, I'll put that out there, but because they're a great organization within the company, but they will have a support case and they'll send a blog to this these people. <laughs> And it will be their own blog. It's happened a number of times. Um, I think it happened to me from memory as well. But that, that's kind of like a really cool thing. And it must mean that you're on the mark and you're on the money and you're on that trajectory to where you know to where you and I and others want to be, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd go. So that would be my first rule is if it can help just one person, it's worth doing. But then equally, I would say like your first ever blog, Anthony, and my first ever blog, I don't even know what it was about. I don't want to. It was most likely dreadful and that's okay right someone starts somewhere it's like yeah you have to start start that somewhere but also on top of that the community now whether you're in the virtualization community the storage community the uh cloud native the open source a community is a massive powerful thing being involved and just being present and that could be just being present and learning from the community like taking like look reading those blogs but my advice is get involved, ask questions. You're then going to have more knowledge that you can then share and be part of that that community. You're going to have your own perspective. You're going to find out your own issues, document. And it's a flywheel effect that I find yeah. that enables you to have better discussions, share more content and build up that personal brand. It's different for us in our role. Like our personal brand is kind of like bolted on to the, the Veeam brand by all accounts. And we see that with VMware as well, right? That's correct, yeah. Like So Frank Denneman, Duncan Eppin, like all of them guys have a personal brand that's tied to VMware. A lot of their content is about VMware, like us is about Veeam, but they talk about the wider ecosystem as well, like technologies around things like Terraform. Yep. Like how can we do smart things with our tech and show that art of the possible? And it's just a flywheel to keep on keep on drilling into that. 
Yeah, the flywheel analogy is a great one because it's effectively what that what Michael means by that is the more content you create, the more chance you get of getting yourself out there, and then you become actually it works on twofold because your content becomes your 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 CV, but then you also become better at creating that content. So I mean, it's like a dual flywheel effect actually because yeah, if you and I look back and how how we started and how we started to write, um, yeah, we would almost be a bit embarrassed. In fact, I've gone back and I'm. Yeah, I read some of my old blogs and I'm like, holy crap, I still can't spell. But even the way that I wrote, like it was just horrid, right? So yeah. Hey, Michael, we've only got a couple of minutes left. So I wanted to um, like give you a chance to obviously we talked about 90 Days of DevOps, but just plug it away, talk about where, it, where it's at for those that don't know. Um, we've got Veeam on coming. We haven't even really talked about the, the great release from V12, the platform. But I think obviously by the time this episode comes out, we're going to be close to Vmon. So talk about 90 days of DevOps and give us a little bit of information about what you are doing at Vmon 2023 in Miami. Yeah, yeah. So 90daysofdevops.com or just stick it into, into Google. You'll find the repo. So there's a website and a repo. You can see what we've done for 2023. Just a continuation of that 90 days of writing blog posts and getting hands on. And uh, Vimon, I am well, I'm 99% sure that there's going to be some sort of Kubernetes cast and learning day. So getting the vSphere admin uh, up to speed about what uh, what Kasten is, what it does, the same ethos as what we've seen for years from a Veeam perspective. There's two sessions. One is uh, Kubernetes for the vSphere admin. Um, and the other will be purely around integration pieces with VBR plus K10 and potentially a little uh, a little sprinkle of the future about what's oh, coming nice. there. Always exciting. Um, and I expect if I uh, if I get my way or if the boss uh, allows me, there'll be a demo on main stage of something pretty smart that's coming from from that integration point as well. Beautiful. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, our first um, in person Vamon. Well, actually. No, we had one last back. year. Jeez, look at that. Yeah. We're back at Miami, back though. Miami. Back, back at Miami, which was our last in-person one in 2019. So hopefully we can replicate some of the good times there. But hey, this has been a, this has been a really good conversation. I think the, the podcast is Sound of Tech to Come, certainly where you've kind of built yourself into in this open source Kubernetes cloud native world. That is a lot of where this Sound of Tech to Come is going to be coming. So really looking forward to where the 90 days of DevOps goes, where you go, and where we can still go to have some fun together and continue this great thing that we've been doing for, for seven years. So with that, thank you, Michael, for being on the sound of Tech to Come. Cool, mate. Thanks for having me.